Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff, and today I have another special guest joining us. I have the director of A&R at Legacy Recordings, a division of Sony Music Entertainment. He manages the catalogs for the Luther Vandross Estate, the Whitney Houston Estate, Pink, Usher, Britney Spears, Jennifer Lopez, a.k.a. J-Lo, Alicia Keys, and many other respected recording artists. Everyone, please welcome Jeffrey James. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, Cliff. Good, man. Good. Happy to be on. <laughs> I'm excited yeah. to have you yeah, on. I'm yeah, excited yeah. to be back. I'm, I've been uh, on a little vacay from the show for a little bit, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to uh, be recording, and I'm excited to have you on as well. So thank, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show today. My pleasure. Awesome. So really quick, as I always do, I want to take a moment to shout out all the listeners in all 60-plus countries. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Thank you guys for continuing to like, share, and subscribe, and continuing to show your support for The Same Show. It really means a lot, and it has really helped us go a long way and going even further. If you're already listening and you don't already follow us on social media, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at same underscore show. That's same S A N E underscore show on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can find us on Facebook, same show again on Facebook. That's same show. So today we're going to have a conversation about keeping the music alive. I'm excited to have that discussion. And then we're also going to have another conversation about, a and R, so another uh, very insightful discussion that we're going to have with you, Jeff. Let's go ahead and hop right into it with our first topic: keeping the music alive. In our first conversation, Jeff, I, I found it to be very insightful and it was very exciting as well. That's the reason why I couldn't wait to to do the show with you because you you play a very big role doing what you do. You know, something I think about often is the importance of legacy artists in general. You know, it's, it's a part of our culture. It's important that we all know these people who impacted music the way they did. I mean, you know, there's a whole list of artists from Michael Jackson to Prince, Whitney Houston, the Commodores, Lionel Richie, Kenny Rogers, Aerosmith, the Rolling Stones. I mean, the list goes on. And even just thinking about like the old music festivals, right? Where all these artists would come together and they would rock out on the stage back in the, you know, the seventies and the eighties. So there's a lot to be said when it comes to keeping the music alive. So I just want to, you know, go ahead and hand it over to you and get your thoughts on that, on this topic, when we talk about uh, keeping the music alive. Yeah, no, no, no doubt, man. I mean, those are all great, great artists that you, that you mentioned. And, you know, my job, at Sony Legacy is to help people remember those artists and also keeping it very respectful. Like we'll start with Luther. This year's Luther's 40th anniversary of of his debut album, Never Too Much. I mean, it's the first album he recorded for Epic. And uh, we're playing a campaign this year just to, 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 to remind people of, of how great he was. And, and that entails, it, that entails doing a Spotify playlist or, or doing social media campaigns to get people to, to go back and and stream his music and just and just be reminded of how great he was. So that's 
that's one aspect. But yet, but also there's like artists like, for example, you mentioned Pink, and Pink is actually having the 20th anniversary this year for album Misunderstood. So, wow. so that's a, yeah, that's a, so that's a little different approach. But it, with with artists like Pink, they have like remixes, they have live versions. So we try, and a lot of this stuff didn't make it to the the DSPs, the digital service providers like the Spotify's and the Tidal and 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 Amazon. So part of my job is just filling those holes and getting getting that music up so people can also stream and and you know and enjoy or remember what it was like uh, when when Pink first recorded it. So yeah, it's all about just kind of like engaging with the fan base and engaging with with fans and having people discover because there's always a new fan you know there's always there's always someone either listening to music like like you like you for example i mean you made the connection uh with the smooth jazz version of never too much but then then you went back and 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 listened to the original version so it's all making it available for people to, to to find when they're looking for it yeah yeah i i certainly agree yeah, I think about. I even think about Pink. Yeah. I remember the first hit single she released back in, gosh, uh, you said what, two thousand? Exactly. <laughs> and yep. I just remember yes. like you know riding around in the car with my mother and you know hearing the song on, yep. on you know top forty radio and like I just I just feel like such an old head. I'm only twenty eight years old, but still. <laughs> <laughs> and. Especially, I get around these these younger people, and you know, I'm listening to what I like to listen to, and I now know how the older generation feels. Like, oh, you don't know about this? Like, that's the good <laughs> stuff right here. Like, and if it wasn't for this artist, there wouldn't be some of these artists that you listen to today. Yeah, because these were the very artists that they were listening to, but you haven't connected the dot. And I think that's one of the coolest things about music. Especially, you know, like my my favorite rapper is Kendrick Lamar. And Mm -hmm. yes, one of the coolest things for me was drawing the connection from him to Tupac and seeing that influence. Tupac is regarded as one of the greatest of all time. And Kendrick Lamar is regarded as one of the greatest in his generation. In my opinion, he is the greatest of our generation. (laughs) (laughs) But to to see that, right, and especially, you know, to, for him to be paying homage to the great rappers that came before him, I like seeing that across genres. You see these rock, these younger rock bands, you know, teaming up with these older rock bands and, you know, paying homage, paying respect, because at the end of the day, like, understanding that these older musicians paved the way for the musicians today to be able to do what they're doing. And so that's why this topic to me is very important as well, keeping the music alive, because we have to, as not only as fans, but artists as well, have to recognize the, the contribution that these legacy artists made to not only music, but to the overall culture. And I, you know, I, <laughs> I'll hand it back to you, but it also did my heart joy listening to uh, Tiana Taylor's album that came out last summer mm. and how it was full of samples of hit 90s R&B songs. Yeah. And, and having Erica ba- Badu on the album, having Lauryn Hill on the album. Like, it just, it's just pure dopeness. So I, I, I'll hand it back to you. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving this because the connection is there. Like, I'll, I'll even go, you know, a step further back. Like, for me, Tupac is, is my, was my Kendrick Lamar, which I'm so glad you said that. But before Tupac, we had, like, Chuck D from Public Enemy. And then, you know, Run DMC, which is on, which is on uh, Profile Records and is now part of the whole Sony legacy group. I mean, for me, that, that was me growing up was Run DMC and, and that whole Curtis Blow. So there's all these big connections because it's like one, each rapper is building upon what came before them, which, which is good. And and, I, and I'm seeing that they're recognizing it. I think Jay Z recognizes that too. And so it's so important to like yeah. understand where where the music where the music came from, where your influences from, because you're just building upon that. And I think that's what makes music and the art form so great because so ever changing because you're always building in a new perspective i mean there's there's stuff like you know honestly i i don't get the i didn't get the whole whisper rap but you know i can i can i can appreciate <laughs> the, the, the art form you know and, and there was there was a time period where um i can't remember the type of you know mumble rap and all all that but it's all it's all a part of an expression but it, it's just it's so important to understand where all the music forms come from and and what people did to get where they're where they where they're going, um, you know, you know how to, how people can influence their their own style, but also understand where it came from. So yeah, I'm so like in tune with what you're saying. Yeah, and even with, I, I think about with certain songs, say uh, you know the electric slide, right? Or or let's say mm-hmm. let's say the, the the quote unquote cookout music, <laughs> <laughs> the barbecue, yes, bro. right barbecue and here and and barber salon barbecue and then the the barber salon yeah man go for it i love this so yeah exactly and i i you know one of the things you know my generation jokes about now is uh, you know the song swag surfing and how like because you you know especially like you go to like hbcus and you see when they play the swag surfing song Mm -hmm. like everybody's lock shoulder to shoulder and then they're you know they're going back and forth rocking and it's like that's the that yeah. became the anthem of my generation. oh i love it love it so it's I, you know i think about when i have children and being a you know certain songs come on like oh i gotta i gotta tell y'all about this like i could tell you some stories and understanding getting them to understand the impact of the music right it's not just a song it contributed to a movement or to a cause much like how Kendrick Lamar's song we gonna be all right or all right is the name of the song but during the black lives matter movement and people chanting we gonna be all right those kinds of things right is is these songs are truly a part of history you know you like how we just had the super bowl and everyone talk you know brings up Whitney Houston national mm. anthem Yep. Right. Like those moments, you know, it's bigger than the music. These are things that are a part of history in general. Yeah, exactly. And that had a, that performance had an anniversary this year, too. So, yeah, I mean, and that comes up. It's 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 billed as one of the one of the all time, at least top 10 or, or, or number one version of the Star Spangled Banner. I mean, we had a few uh, Marvin yeah. Gaye. Also had a, had a great version. I mean, even J, J Hutch, uh, Jennifer Hudson, her version of it too. So yeah, I mean, those, those moments. I mean, it just resonates with everyone, and it's just, it's historic. So yeah, that that's that's good point. Yeah, yeah. Moment. Uh, what what do they say? Momentous. 
occasion. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we're back. Now we're going to have a conversation about A&Rs. So obviously, many of us, when we think about A&Rs, we think about uh, what I now think of as front-facing A&Rs. So the A&Rs that are going out there scouting and recruiting and you know, signing new and upcoming artists to these labels. Then there's people like you, Jeff, the other side of being an A&R, which I didn't even think of or wasn't even aware of, until I met you (laughs) and like just blew my mind with all this insight. And I think it's really awesome. And, you know, I didn't know that there were people, A and R's really that manage legacy catalog, music catalogs for legacy recording artists. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely wanted to use this segment to give you the opportunity to educate the listeners on that side of it and shed some light. Because on the surface, it looks like just pushing old music, quote unquote, old music, and yeah. just keeping it going. But there, there's a, it's a lot deeper than that, especially when you talk about dealing with artists like a Whitney Houston, like a Luther Vandross, like that, that's no task to be taken lightly. It's like, just like with artists like Michael Jackson and Prince, right? You don't, you don't just put those catalogs, those caliber catalogs in anybody's hand. You got to put them in the right hand because they have to be managed appropriately. And, and, and if you ask me, I don't think it changes from when the artist was around or not. So you go ahead. <laughs> oh, bro. I mean, no, no, it's all, it's all good. And, and, you know, the, the, Legacy recordings were started because we wanted to try, or the the, the division wanted to try to kind of reimagine um, it's, it's this this older catalog of this this catalog of artists, and not put it in the in the in the, in the bucket of you know that that's old old music you know because you're not alone in in, in categorizing it that way because that's how it, it was you know and that's and that's what we've been trying to change but but let me start with um, you know A and R is artist. And repertoire that that's that's where the the term a and r comes from and, and it was um where uh, the the talent scout at the label would go and find an artist and met and match them up with repertoire to that they can perform this is this is back in the day where you know singer songwriters when people you know didn't if an artist didn't write their own songs the talent scout or your a and r person would set you up with with the songs for you to record and and, and perform so that that's where the the term a and r comes from so you know fast forward to 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 what's happening now is yeah uh, everybody everybody is familiar with the front facing which i love that term the front facing a and r person at a label where they go out and they they find new talent they sign it to the label and that artist will record X amount of records um, or albums, I should say, uh, or recordings uh, for the label for in advance or whatever, you know, that uh, that part. But what I do is, which I, I love, is it's the back end, if you if you want to say if you want to say that it's it's basically when an artist, for example, Alicia Keys, uh, her album songs in a minor is turning 20 this year. So but 
but Alicia has recorded several albums after her debut. And, you know, the, 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 the idea of the front-facing A&R, which is RCA, their main focus is Alicia's new material. That's what they want to, to help the artists, and, and you know, that's their main focus. But she has all this old, all these, the back catalog, which I, I maintain either making sure that the information or the music is on Spotify, Pandora, Tidal, or especially in the in the event of this new this 20th anniversary of her of her album, we want to we want to revisit the album, but also maybe add a remix or add a recording that didn't make the album. So those kind of that's that that my that's my approach to this stuff. So I am with the repertoire, which I just mentioned, like a new song or maybe a song that didn't make the album and match it with Alicia Keys because she's still involved. So so I'm still working with the artist and still working with with her with her catalog. So it's it's just basically the the material that comes the easiest way to to, to understand is anything anything after the last album is is catalog. And that's what I handle. Like, for example, I mean, just changing artist, Chris Brown, uh, one of the biggest streaming artists that we have on RCA. He is, he, he's a catalog artist until he records his new album. And the, the same with Pink. But yeah, so so those types of situations, those types of artists is what I, what I deal with. And, I, and then on the other end, I deal with Whitney Houston Estate. Unfortunately, Whitney's no longer with us, but I, I manage her music with the estate and 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 their vision of what they would like the artist or what the music or what program you want to put out there is is very important and I, I take their their guidance and their advice and and we have conferences all the time about how can we do this to represent Whitney so you know as Whitney's not here the artist is now the estate so 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 it gets really really involved but but i'm 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 still i'm still in it daily and it it's a conversation i have with 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 all like all different types of artists or or artist estates so i'm curious because one of the things i think about like uh, michael jackson had an album that released a few years ago so unreleased music yep that was apparently recorded and yep. it never had, had been released and you know michael jackson yep. been gone for a while now mm-hmm. what how is it dealing with that kind of situation where an artist passes away, yeah. it's discovered that they have all this unreleased music, and you have people who say, no, leave it, and we have people who say, release it. Yeah. It's all about respect. We always come from the angle of respecting the artist. And then the second thing is, is there a real story to be told? Because, you know, truth be told is that sometimes music that's unreleased, there's a reason for it. You you know, it just either it wasn't complete or it was just not that good. Uh, But if the goal is to present it in, in a way like, look, surrounded by the time period you you can take references of when it was recorded and maybe what the artist was trying to do with that so going back to your question to working okay when it comes to unreleased material we will we want to work with either the estate 
or the artist represents artist representative and all and all our ideas are fleshed out between the both of us and and we don't we don't want to ever make it seem like we're doing something for the wrong reasons so you know so it all like i said in the beginning it goes back to respect and and observing and reviewing the material and to see like what what can we do surrounding this in, in conjunction with of course the their their, their catalog that's a great way to approach it. Uh, and yeah. I, you know, I remember you, you mentioned that in our previous conversation and, you know, I, I just love the, the fact that you, you come from an approach and a place of respect, yeah. you know, because that is very important, obviously when dealing with artists in their catalog and, and wanting to respect their legacy and honor their legacy and, the best way you can do that is making sure that in the, the day, whatever you do, you're respecting uh, the artist's legacy. So, kudos to you on that one. Hundred percent, man. It really is. I mean, and of course, you're gonna have people. You, you see it all the time on social media and, and fan posts, like you know, let them rest, or they're they're um, you, you know they're taking advantage of them. And but the, but there's another part of people that are really curious to see what what the artist was doing at that time and 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 like get get us get another sense of music from that time period like i love discovering new new music or unheard music because it just thinks like okay there's different reasons why maybe this song didn't make it i mean it's a lot easier when you when you take music from the 80s or even the 70s because the album the, the vinyl album could only hold but so much even even cds you could only hold but 80 minutes of music so sometimes songs didn't make it make it on certain albums because of 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 uh, of, of time and doesn't mean it's, it wasn't any any good, but you gotta you gotta cut your choices, and and then that's what you know that's what was presented as 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 the final release. Hmm, I learned something new. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> okay. All right, we're back now for the interview. So, Jeff, I'm going to go ahead and uh, fire off with some questions so that the listeners and I can learn more about you, the things that you do, and all the fun things that go along with that. So, to start with my first question, a lot of people, when they envision themselves in entertainment, want to be the person in the spotlight, the celebrity performer. You say you knew early on that you weren't a naturally gifted musician, but that didn't deter you from being in the industry. What would you say to young artists who think the only way to achieve success in the industry is to achieve fame? Mm, wow. I love that. No, you know, I would my advice to anyone that wants to get into music is to, to get into music because or get into the music industry because you you love what you're doing, you're passionate. I mean, there there are so it's not about just the the, the being the fame or or the the, the in the in the spotlight because think about it i mean how many michael jordans do we know i mean not to you know not to use that as an example because i don't want to crush anyone's dreams but the the chances of like being a superstar are so small i mean it's just because of the just because the law of averages you know and there's only a certain amount of time and some certain amount of artists that actually break through i mean and and i just think you have to be whatever you do in in music or 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 trying to get in the industry you gotta you gotta leave with passion and you gotta lead with understanding the roles of different 
understanding understanding the roles of what you want to do or what you can contribute and what your strengths are. I mean, for me, my strength is realizing that I wasn't a good musician, but I also loved that what I loved about the music industry was the physicality of it. Like looking through my father's albums and, and reading liner notes and reading, uh, the, the, even reading the label of like who the writers were of the songs and, the, and, and that kind of stuff, because then I, then it clicked and it, to me, it clicked and it's, and, it, and I thought there must be some way a business that actually handles this part of, of the music making. I mean, there's someone that handles artwork. There's someone that handles the copy that you're reading. There's someone that does all the, the back end stuff. There's so many different little, there's so many different parts of, of the music industry that require people that may not sing. I mean, th there's accounting you know, I wasn't really good with numbers either, but but there's a, there's an accounting of finance. I mean, it, it takes a takes a village to run a company. It really it really does, and and especially now, in if if giving any advice to anyone listening, especially now, there's so many different opportunities, especially with social media, understanding content and YouTube and video making. Video making now is inter integral to, to music because you got to have the, the visuals with the audio and, you know, all, all that. There's so much more than being being an artist. I can, I'd like to end or like to say this, that you don't want to get into the music industry to become famous. Becoming famous is a product of your hard work. You know, that, 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 that's what I really believe in. It's a, it's a byproduct. I mean, it, it, you've got to be passionate what you believe and, and you go for it. And then from there, the fame should come to you. But then I mean, that, that's, how, that's how I see it. So, yeah, I'll end it there. No, that, that's a great response. And I, I appreciate the honesty yeah. on that one. Yeah. So, yeah. So my next question to you, you work with music that goes back decades, allowing you some insight into the taste changing over time. When new music comes out, are you able to distinguish what's timeless and what isn't? I love that. Oh, my God. Um, anytime I listen to new music, that was that goes through my mind. It really does. Will this be relevant in the the future, or you know? And I try to put everything in perspective because there, there's so many new ways to record music. I mean, I just watched on uh, Apple TV the Billie Eilish documentary that that she put out, and she and her brother record their music in their bedroom. I don't know what they do post that, but that's where the basic music starts and i just find like if you were to tell me that most artists record in the bedroom i wouldn't have ever believed it so um but going back to your question um timeless for me it goes to the vocal it also goes to the lyrics of of a particular song that makes it timeless it makes it relevant i mean there's this, there's one song out now which i think is going to do really good at the grammys which is so right now so relevant is uh that jp sax song you know, if the world was ending, I'd come over. Would you come over now? It's just because, you know, with COVID, it, it feels that that's how everyone felt. And I think looking back, when we look back at that, that song, we're going to remember what COVID was and, and what it, how it made us all feel. So, yeah, so it's, a, it's a feeling, man. But, but yeah, I, I go through that all the time with new music. I always try to, and it's just, you know, it's just one of those things that I play with, playing in my head. Like, is this song really... 
is this a song I should pay attention to now? And will I care about it in 10, 10, 15 years? Uh, next question. You grew up with records and tapes, and now music is all the way to streaming across various platforms and Bluetooth earphones. What is your favorite way to listen to music and why? You know what? Uh, well, now, which I've, I've, I've avoided it for so long, it's definitely streaming um, Spotify. But I work at my desk a lot, so I do put all my CDs or what I, what I want to listen to into my iTunes player, and, I, and I'll listen to that. And, and I'll listen to it while I'm working. It's a mixture. It's, it's definitely... When I'm at home, it's iTunes through through my headphones. I also have a turntable to so listen to some to some music, but that's mostly for the job. When I listen to test pressings, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a turntable, but I mostly listen to my stuff on on my computer now. You know, it keeps everything all in one place, and I have basically a whole my my whole library is on a on a hard drive. So I, I do that. But when I'm running or when I'm outside, I'll, I'll listen to music on Spotify. That that's my go-to. Spotify or iTunes Music. That's Apple cool. Music, I should say. I should say <laughs> Apple. Yeah, I meant to say Apple Music. But they keep on changing it. But yep. Oh, good. <laughs> Briefly, you did work outside of the industry, and oftentimes people trying to make it in the industry aren't always able to stay with it. What about music in the industry had enough draw that when you were ready to recommit, you followed through? Wow, man. You, you, you're reading my story, my, my, my life. Quickly, it all began, you know, just growing up with my dad and his record collection. So I had a passion for music. My parents were, uh, my dad was a banker, a private banker, and uh, my mom was a nurse. So very hardworking, kind of nine to five jobs. And when I told them I want to get in the music industry, they thought I was uh, was crazy, <laughs> you know, because um, I was never going to be a suit and tie type of person. So yeah. So I knew that, but um, I went through college. At, uh, I did my internships at three labels. I did my internships at, at Chrysalis Records, uh, Polygram, and Mercury. Uh, Mercury and Polygram are under Universal now, and Chrysalis is now imprint through EMI Universal. So they, they're, not, they're not around. Um, so when I graduated in 91, I graduated in, in, the, in a recession, and there was no jobs. So that was a little heartbreaking, And but, you know, I had to... I had to make a living, you know, and I had to like pay back student loans. So I gave up my really pursuit of the music industry, but I didn't give it up fully. I freelance, I became a freelance journalist. I did a lot of music reviews and I read a lot of periodicals and I read, I made sure to read Billboard and keep involved in the music. So when I got my foot back in, I could still say I was part of the industry, you know, or I can put that in my resume that I've been as a freelance writer. But um, I, yeah, I worked on Wall Street. I worked on Wall Street as an odd lot share broker. Uh, I don't know if they even have that position anymore, but basically I was the guy on the telephone kind of trying to buy back shares from from people that had anything less than 10 shares, you know, some of the, some of most of the time it was because it was uh, full of nostalgia. Like uh, a person would have 10 shares of McDonald's because they wanted to give that to their son or 10 shares of, you, you know, um, we'll say blockbuster. And it would cost more for these companies to send, you know, the uh, information or, uh, or syllabuses or, or what's the word, you know, um, information about the stocks and it would cost 
the dividend checks it would cost the companies more to mill it out than it was really worth. So that was my job. And, and I did that nine to five. I was at a point where I was going to take the series seven exam uh, to be a Wall Street broker even though it was against my spirit, but I, I didn't know what else to do because there was no jobs. And then I got the call uh, because I was still sending out my resume uh, to, to uh, apply for the mailroom in, in profile records. And that was my first gig. So that's where I had the choice. Do I, do I pursue a job that, that, uh, that I don't love, but I could be making a lot of money in, which is, you know, the, the stock market, or do I pursue my passion and, swallow my pride a little bit and say I work in the mailroom and I went with my passion and and that's and yeah so it's just those those little opportunities I mean you you all have choices you know Oprah calls it whispers you got to listen to it and you got to listen to that inner voice and and I went my gut and and that and that's what that's why I took the uh the less paying a job at a at a in the mailroom and so this and and, and that's where it led me to where I am where I am now Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, just listening to that always just reminds me of, you know, really committing yourself to what it is you're passionate about. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And, you know, thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for offering the insight that you offered on the show as well. Uh, definitely a lot of takeaways for myself. And I know the listeners will get a lot of out of it, too. So thank you so much, Jeff, for you know coming oh. on the same show. Oh, my pleasure, man. I really do. And, you know, and I've, I said it before, if, if I can give just one person a little different perspective of the industry, that that's all it's, it's worth it to me. Um, it's a tough industry, bro. It really is. And I'm stressed, but I, I do love it because it's my chosen, you know, and it's not it's not just a job to me it's a career i i spend a lot of time you know working on weekends and working you know during the week but but if you if you if you remain passionate and you remain that you know that that hard drive the money will come and and opportunities will open and I, my one of my favorite sayings is if if you if you stay ready you don't have to get ready so just stay ready man and just be ready to to go you know what i'm <laughs> that saying is yeah well, hey, thank you again for sharing all of that. I really appreciate it. Definitely uh, going to have to have you back on the show. I would sure, love to. So. Anytime. <laughs> Give me a call, man. Send me an email. It's all good. Will do. Will do. And thank you again, listeners, for continuing to like, share, subscribe, and spread the word about the same show. Really appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And remember, you guys are listening to the same show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out.